My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce my guest, Derek Mang, a T8 paralegic, dedicated outdoorsman, off-road enthusiast, and fellow gym junkie. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked I'm on here. Hey, I'm always stoked when I have a guest on. It's always a fun new experience every time. So, have you been hunting your whole life? Um, no, I've been about... I've been hunting about 10 years now. I started probably four years after my injury, which was in 2009. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first hunt was a doe hunt, but um, that's what that's what started the passion, man. And I've been going hard ever since. Yeah. Were you a gym junkie the whole life too or not? No, no. I... Uh, so before I got hurt, I used to travel the world snowboarding and I was, I was just being a, a young dude. I was from 17 to 21, just traveling the world. And, uh, that's how I broke my back. I ended up working at a construction side job, fell off a roof and, uh, landed on my shoulders and just folded right in half, broke my T8 vertebrae. And, uh, that's where the journey began. Yeah, well, at least you uh, started sometime, and you know what I mean. Yeah, it's my uncle got me into. I've always been interested in it, even in hunting, even before I got hurt. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that that in the gym it came after my my injury. Had to beef up them shoulders. Yeah, I imagine so. Every time I got up had to have my foot surgery on one of my feet you learn just how weak your arms really are when you have to move all your weight precisely <laughs> you think yeah my arms are tough i've been picking up all this stuff then you learn the areas that it definitely showcases the weakness of <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you know there's there's basketball shape and then there's swimming shapes. They just because you're in shape for one exercise doesn't mean you're in, you know, yeah. something that uses a whole bunch of other muscles. Yeah, I think it was Jordan who said it best after he came back from taking a break and playing in Major League Baseball. And when he came back to basketball, he said, it is completely different the amount of shape you had to be in to change. So. I can see it. Yeah. And he is definitely my favorite basketball player. <laughs> it kind of helps when my last name is his. <laughs> it works. Yeah, right. So uh, you started with the doe hunt after your injury. Do you want to talk about your injury? Yeah, it's a uh, T8 you know, right, right underneath the chest. When I broke mm -hmm. it, when I broke it, I, uh, I broke it in like six or seven pieces. So when I went to the hospital, they had to fuse T6 all the way through T10. Um, yeah, so that it held, held me together. It got the job done, you know, but it's, uh, 
it's been a long journey, especially those first couple of years, trying to adjust to a, a whole new lifestyle, going from being 21 years old, traveling the world, snowboarding, you know, have your whole life in front of you and knowing exactly what you're going to do. I was already working on a career and everything. And then mm -hmm. split second, it all changed. Yeah, usually how it works out, right? Rest when you least expect it. Yeah. So what did you do uh, after your accident? How did you pivot from that? Honestly, man, the first couple of years were extremely hard, just mentally. Um, I started, eventually I just started, because I'm in Southern California, and I live pretty decently close to the beach, so I... I picked up a camera and started just going down to the beach and filming surfers because I used to surf before snowboarding, so I still had a lot of friends and whatnot down there, and, mm -hmm. and they had they had sponsors and whatnot. So I started doing photography and videos for their sponsors, and uh, just got me out of the the mental funk. And then I got introduced into the out. out well, I was always a fisherman. We had a we have a killer outdoor uh, outdoor fishery here off our shores and whatnot and uh you know trout fishing in the mountains and whatnot so uh, just getting out in nature was extremely you know liberating because that's that's where i you know my whole life was evolved around nature and and in the summertime and whatnot i would be hiking when i wasn't traveling snowboarding i'd be hiking mountains and going into the backcountry and fly fishing for you know exotic trout and whatnot and so it's cool, man. I mean, there's, you know, but nature and God's creation just really, really, that's what really broke me out of the funk is staying inside indoors all day is just not healthy. Mm -hmm. so. so what was your f first trip after when you finally got on your path? What was your first thing you did? <clears throat> my first hunting trip or just like my first like adventure? No, your first adventure. We'll go with that. Yeah, cool. Well, I started, I just started doing stuff that I'd never, I'd always wanted to do, you know, because you get, you have a brush with death. You're like, well, if I already beat it once, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So here we go. So I started skydiving, got into skydiving. Um, after that, you know, I started going, just doing, just doing possibly whatever I could and been going into the mountains a lot, going camping, yeah, uh, camping with, with the friends, with the boys and, uh, just, just trying to get out into nature as much as possibly can I could, I couldn't yeah. get enough of it. And now, even, you know, living down at the uh, beach, it's, yeah, I live at the beach, but I, I wasn't ever really able to get into the sand because the wheelchair. So, yeah. Well, they got a lot of new type of wheelchairs out there you can actually get on sand with. Since then, I've actually went and so I have a Colors wheelchair and it's got big inflatable balloon tires. So hmm. now that I uh, I go down there and I film my friends surfing, I force them to roll roll my butt down down to the sand, and it's a. Uh, <laughs> hop out of my chair and just sit in the sand and enjoy the enjoy the sand in your toes. Right. I was surprised this one of your friends hasn't came up and said, here's the electric motor for it. You're going to take yourself now. 
Yeah, I wish, man. <laughs> yeah, I think it was right before we were talking, uh, before we started recording, I was looking up the Coyote uh, four-wheel drive, uh, you know, all-terrain, vehicle, all-terrain wheelchair. And I'm like, holy cow, this thing costs more than a freaking Chevy. Yeah, they're not cheap. Same with those tractors. I'm sure there's federal grants and um, companies, nonprofits or whatnot that'll help you out. Um, yeah, but out of pocket, it's it's a slap. Yeah, they're n- they're not cheap, but they do help out a lot with certain things. I know uh, several nonprofits that have gotten them, and they love them to death. The track chairs. Mind you, I don't. I haven't seen anybody with the coyotes yet. I haven't heard about it until you just brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I'll, they're uh, relative. From what I can tell, they're relatively new. Although I seen something. I went down recently to the Indiana Deer, Turkey, and Waterfowl Expo in Indianapolis, and there was a company called Exodar that had an all-terrain electric scooter. <laughs> I am not kidding you. This thing is sturdy as a beast and it comes complete with a seat. The guy was telling me they'd been out for four weeks and the whole company had been gone live for about four weeks. And so they look beasty. They look like they can take on any terrain and you can sit down and do it. And he said that, with proper tires, you can go about 35. Nice, dude. Yeah, right. Now, that's something I'd like to play with a little bit, but <laughs> we all there know that. Go. Yeah, right. Hey, can I borrow? No. <laughs> Not you. No, right. <laughs> Knowing my luck, I'd, I'd do the wrong thing with that. And the thing that you're not supposed to do and wreck. Yeah, sounds about right. Right. <laughs> uh, I know we were talking about uh, a gator hunting with a crossbow. Please. Yeah, man. It, in detail. <laughs> so I went down. So I was looking at, you know, I always wanted to do a gator hunt, just trying to get the biggest, baddest animals out there. And everything I was looking at was like four or five grand. I was like, man, they can't afford that, you know? And so I just, I just started following random people on Instagram and I came across this guy. Um, he goes, his Instagram name is Python Mike or no Python cowboy. Um, cool dude. And he's like, Hey, I have extra land nuisance tags for alligator. And you know, it's, one third of the price so i I hopped on it right away and flew out there in october 2021 and uh down to lake okeechobee florida went down there met up with them and then i stayed on uh a ranch in this called the seminole prairie with a seminole indian tribe uh rents rents them the land and beautiful log log cabin it's one of those exotic ranches that carries all kinds of animals from like India, China and Africa that you can go hunt and whatnot. A beautiful place. But, um, yeah, we went out first night, didn't get anything. 
second second morning we get up before the sun and get in get into it probably on like a center console about boats probably 17 17 foot center console uh they stashed, stashed me and my dad in the front, and we're smashing out there, and we drove out on probably 10, 15 minutes. It's a huge lake. It's the biggest lake in the lower 48 outside of the Great Lakes. So it's a giant body of water. Um, smashing out there, and we get to a spot, and we just stop, and, and I never I never glassed for alligators. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I'm just looking at a bunch of logs and whatnot in the ground, and when I, I saw my saw my first gator and it just opened up my eyes to how many alligators there actually were and all those logs I thought were logs were twelve foot dinosaurs just swimming around. If you would have fallen in the water, you'd have been smoked within five five minutes by the time they got there. And you it was insane. I never I heard they have a lot of alligators down there, but I was I didn't know to that extent. It was it was amazing. Um, you know, they, they, they ranged in size too, but the little ones would be getting eaten by the big ones. And yeah, some of them, some of them were just absolute giants. Um, so what they do is, uh, they had a raw chicken they got from the supermarket and they, they pumped it full of some white stuff. I forgot what the white, it was like a white goo, but it helped make it, made the chicken float. And they attached they attached it to uh, to a fishing line. It was probably two hundred pound test. And then they had a giant a giant fishing rod and reel that we out here in California would use for you know three four hundred pound tuna. Um, they had a, it was an absolute monster setup. But what they do is they they throw the chicken into the water. And we, they open up the bale and we drive probably two, 300 yards past it, past this alligator that we had spotted, flipped the bale up and they started bouncing the chicken, you know, just like you were, just like you'd be jigging for bass. They were, they were jigging this chicken and the vibrations on top of the water, the alligator, boom, swam straight for it, grabbed it, grabbed it in his mouth and just sat there. So what they, these alligators have, they have a... Of like a two inch, three inch flap in the back of their esophagus. So when they when they get food in there, when they swallow their food, they that flap is down, covering their esophagus, so lake water and stuff like that doesn't get into their into their stomach. Um, so so this gator gets it in his mouth, and then he, you know, probably around I don't know a minute, two minutes later, he. he throws it back, leans it back, and uh, opens up that flap in his, in his esophagus and swallows the chicken. Well, this, this alligator that we had spotted, giant, he was a giant, he uh, he swallowed this chicken, swam swam down to the bottom of the lake so he could, uh, so it could dissolve inside of his, laying, he was just laying down, sorry, I lost you there, he was laying down at the bottom of the, uh, at the bottom of the lake. And the, uh, and we go and we put a, the trolling motor. We turned on the trolling motor for the for the boat, and we went right above him. And uh, I had one of the coolest guys with me. The the guy who was manning the fishing rod, just straight like when you think of swamp people, the show, like this, just straight hillbilly alligator hunter guy, dude. He, hilarious. Could barely understand him. 
Um, man, he 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 re- he fought this alligator up from the bottom because when that flap in their esophagus shuts down, um, it's hard for them to open it, open it up and regurgitate the whatever they've eaten. So we were able to get the gator up to the very top, and at the I'm not I'm not familiar with boat terms, but so we were down in I know the hole. We were down in the hole at the bottom of the boat, and then at the front of the boat there was like a four foot area that's that's raised, you know. So they they went and lifted me up, my dad and a co- two of the other guys on the boat lifted me up to that front, and my dad just hold, holding my handlebars in the back of my chair, and uh, Mike, the main guy, hands me a hands me crossbow get this gator to the very top and boom i he tells me to shoot i shoot it off well with an alligator you're supposed to aim for this small diamond shape right in the back right behind their eyeballs where their brain is to get you know, close and it's a small shot it was it was hard and i was shooting iron sights with a crossbow i i hit i hit the alligator but it went through one cheek and then out his other cheek and he was not happy dude um he was just started started thrashing, banging his head against the boat, whapping his tail against the boat. Our boat is rocking and forth. Everybody's got a hold of something, you know. I like, thank God my dad like had me in on the wheelchairs, balancing. Everybody else was holding on to something. This thing was pissed, dude. So we eventually turned the trolling motor on and ro- rotated the boat and got the gator to the other side and uh, handed me Mike on the so with gators you're trying to get as many lines into them as possible you know so if line a breaks you have line b b breaks you have c etc so hands me a harpoon you know well i'm not i live in southern california kind of in the city i'm not out there practicing chucking chucking harpoons you know i mean um but he goes hands me this harpoon and like at that point i'm so full of adrenaline you know everything's popping off this dinosaur is just going crazy and I look back on it now and I kind of laugh, but like when I threw the harpoon, I kind of yelled like, ah, and I chucked it. it felt like, like a Roman gladiator or something. I don't know, dude. It's just, I was just full of adrenaline at that point, dude. So I went, I got, I got the alligator. You know, I, I, I missed this little diamond area probably by about like four inches, dude. So it pissed him off again. Same routine. Whacking flipping our boats rocking there's just a bunch of chaos we're all soaked in water from this thing splashing and then they hand me what's called a bang stick and i don't know if any of the listeners are familiar with it but it's like a a six foot metal rod and at the very end of it it had a 357 magnum bullet so they hand me that and um i I jabbed, I jabbed, they wrestled this thing back up underwater and uh, once it, its head poked out, I jabbed it again and I, I just stuck this bang stick right in this alligator's eyeball and uh, that that magnum bullet went off and yeah, that, that was that was it for that experience. Um, then, the, you know, the gator, he was toast after that. He'd go and they bring him up to the side of the boat. The first thing they do when they get him to the side of the boat they get out a roll of electric tape and they they tape off the mouth you know the business end of the deal um just just in case that thing has one final hoorah in them you know uh so they taped that mouth shut brought him on board um 
Yeah, and then we're all hooting and hollering, and this thing was almost as big as the boat. It ended up measuring out at 11 foot 6 inches. Just a, a complete unit of a of a lizard, man. I was... I was super, we were all super stoked, cheering, hooting, and hollering. And they, they had never taken anybody in a wheelchair gator hunting before. So they were super stoked on the experience. And uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was something cool because, you know, I don't, the weather down there, it's hot, humid. I'm hunting dinosaurs. I, I fully felt like I was in a... Jurassic, like a Jurassic Park episode, man. But it was, it was sick, dude. Finally got it done, and uh, so yeah, with with the uh, with the alligator, it, it came out to around like four hundred pounds, something like that. I'm, we're guessing. We only, we, they didn't have a scale, but they measured it out, and then they, you know, had their calculations with, to see how much it was. But I only brought about. 40 to 50 pounds of it home all we brought was the tail and the cheek and the cheeks yeah everything else was just i don't have a deep fryer my fam we're not into you know deep frying very much so we don't have a deep fryer but everything else on that gator is just straight solid rubber basically because it's it's just a tough animal it's out there to kill that's all that's all it's there for yeah so yeah that was that was an adventure man my first time in florida getting getting the job done nice and i bet you uh cooked up some good meat uh, meal out of that oh yeah they call it the chicken of the south everyone I, yeah we had had some good meals i brought brought it all home you know and have made made some great pastas and yeah it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a delicious animal it's very very fishy it tastes like fish but it's it's delicious man yeah well I'm hoping to eventually get some gator b- before I die, because, yeah, gator. Yep, yeah, that was that was the reason I went down there, man. It's a I got a couple bucket list hunts, and that was one of them. So I was able to check off a a lifetime achievement award there. Right. You ever do moose hunting? No, that's definitely another one. Um, I put in a couple times in up in Maine, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't pulled yet. I've been putting in for like four or five years. Haven't pulled yet. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Right. Now, I know we talked earlier about uh, you did a, an antelope hunt last year. How'd that go? Great. Uh, that's my first my first archery hunt. So, I, I shoot a Hoyt. Um, I, and I have uh, my niece's husband out there is a ranch manager and a professional coyote hunter. So he gets, yeah, he gets a lot of um, access to properties down there via, mainly via the, the coyote hunting, you know, getting contacts with that, helping people out because they don't want their calves killed and whatnot. But uh, yeah, great. Great dude, but he, he got me onto this uh this spot and uh it was a water hole and it was the only water around for about three miles in each direction. So every everything in its cousin was like clean water. There were other water holes, but they were like covered in moss and whatnot. So we sat on this sat on this water hole first morning and we put up a uh up a, de- a decoy and all that stuff and this 
this goat came in and he uh he saw the right it was right up around 7:15 right when the sun started creeping up over that horizon and he saw the decoy and he was not happy and he, man he did not like it and he was he was the alpha of the area an absolute absolute unit of a of a goat beautiful animal but he's he's clawing at the ground rub racket raking his his uh, horns in the ground he was just he did not like this intruder in on his water so he you know eventually slowly walks up and he get and he gets up to the water tank but when he's on the water tank he's on the opposite side so i only had probably about a couple inch window, probably a four inch by five inch window to slide a slide a, a stick through him, dude. And I wasn't going to take that shot. Um, I wanted it to be uh, the best shot possible. And it was just, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt the animal. No one, no one wants to go out there and hurt these animals. You know, we got to make it clean as quick as possible. Um, the thing walks off and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the blind by myself. So, he, my niece and him both had work, so they bailed out. But then, uh, so I'm sitting in this blind and then late August, it got up to like 95 degrees in this blind. I'm sitting there just drenched in sweat, um, just sitting there by myself. But it, it was so cool, man. I was sitting out there cause I'm, I'm kind of, I live kind of in the city and, uh, where I was at this water holder, like I said, there was nothing around for miles. It's just big open ranch area. So it's just, just beautiful, super peaceful. But, um, yeah, but man, I was, I took everything off. I was in my boxers. You just sweat and bricks, dude. Just like, man, I hope this thing comes soon so I can get it done. Well, sure as heck did 1230, 1230 comes by in the afternoon. And by this time, my niece had had gotten off work, and she'd hopped in the blind with me, and uh, and we're we're both just sitting there sweating bricks. And this this goat comes in, just comes up the up over the hill, and and this thing. I don't know if you've ever seen like a beautiful animal or a big animal skylined on a uh, with absolutely nothing behind it on top of it, but it gives off this kind of like Disney esque magnificent look. Um, it was just beautiful, and then we we filmed this thing coming down the hill, and it actually had come in from behind us. Well, I'm, I'm in my wheelchair in the blind, and it's a it's a small three man blind, so I can't be rolling around in circles trying to get a perfect perfect angle on this thing. So I just threw on my brakes and just faced the water because I knew eventually this thing had to come get water. That's why he was there in the first place. So my niece was actually behind me, telling me, "All right, move, don't move." All right, you're good. Don't go. You know, it's like she totally coached me through this. And this thing came up from behind us, came off to my left, and he finally came into my peripheral. He, We had the blind there for a couple of days. He was used to the blind, but since it was so hot, we needed all the wind and breeze we could get, so we had all the windows down. Uh, he was used to the blind, but he wasn't used to the two new big figures silhouetted inside the blinds. Like he, knew, he knew something was up, but... I'm not sure. I've heard they don't have great vision. I've heard they have good vision, but from my experience on that blind, he either didn't have good vision or he just was too thirsty to care. This this guy comes in, comes up to the water hole, and so the water was kind of overflowing out of the water trough, created a little stream, which was creating some fresh grass growth. 
this thing was eating eating the grass from the stream and he was just looking down perfectly broadside and I sent sent it perfect hit this thing took off and with those antelope when you hit them good and and they're gonna die they run like a giant s s shape so they don't just run straight off like a whitetail would or an elk or whatever but they run in these giant s formations and uh boom you just started doing this s this s formation i knew i knew he was toast he went about 80 yards and and, and piled right up we gave him probably 20 20 minutes and got out there and started a started cutting on them because again it was 95 degrees outside and just sweltering hot and meat can go bad quick in that that temperature but it was a it was cool my niece you know we filmed it but we filmed it on like an iphone 7 so the quality is you know boot not not very good but uh yeah man i was just super stoked out there i've been practicing my archery for for months on end preparing for this hunt and uh yeah, practice makes perfect. When the time came, it was just ran myself through the steps, draw back, anchor, aim down the aim down that peep, line it up, let it you know slowly pull the trigger, and got the got the job done, man. And it's he, I tell you, he was delicious too, and he looks absolutely great on my wall. I'm not going to doubt that. <laughs> right, I know uh, you were telling me also you had hunted a bear yeah man that this is my favorite story of all my hunting stories uh black bear upstate maine we're probably about 20 miles from the canadian border and uh maine is just a beautiful state the entire state is just covered in trees that's all it is just a giant forest but uh so we get out there and it was me and my dad uh we get out there and um you know, we we were hunting over a bait and the outfitter was great friends with the local pastry guy in town so he was able to fill all his bait barrels with leftover sugary donuts man those bears there this was a fall hunt so those bears are trying to pack on as much sugar and fat as possible but they absolutely love these barrels um went about four days into it and hadn't seen the bear I wanted so we we go to a new blind and we're sitting there and so in order to get into these blinds there's not like a like a real trail in order for me just to roll down a trail and oh you know there's a barrel and time to hunt no is a it was full-on forest and the chair I had at the time had a shock system but the shocks were super squeaky and uh, I figured we'd blow anything out but but before we even got there um so these this the outfitter and my dad took me into this uh into this spot about 100 yards back on a gurney like full on medivac army gurney and they yeah each of them had an end and I just laid on the gurney and they carried me in there sat me on the ground then they came back brought my wheelchair in and put my wheelchair up well we had that gurney in front of me and a couple little bushes to blend in the gurney. But other than that, it was just wide open area. And my dad is actually sitting about no yep. more than no more than five feet to my left, leaning up against an aspen tree. 
So he's leaning up against this aspen tree, and I'm kind of leaning up against an aspen tree at the same time. And uh, we're sitting there, and magic hour comes, 5 o'clock. sun's starting to go down, and a bear, a bear comes out from the right. He's walk, walking left over to the barrel, and he grabs a donut. Not, not a very big bear at all, 120, 130 pounds at the biggest. Um, but the, it was amazing. This thing was honest and in the blink of an eye, I would think something that big in the forest, you'd hear walking up on you, but no, their, their paws are so soft and it just, it was, it was there. But anyway, he grabbed this donut, goes about 10 feet to the right or to the left of the barrel and just sitting, sitting on his butt, eating this donut. And out of nowhere, this thing just, I don't know the proper term, but he just does like a loud bark or a yelp. He's like, roof. And he turns 180 degrees and runs down, you know, runs just straight down 180 degrees. Well, what's down 180 degrees is me and my dad sitting there leaning up against these trees. And this bait site's probably 20, 25 yards away from us. Man, this thing was on us in a heartbeat. Every time its paw hit the ground, you could just hear a loud thud, 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 thud. But this thing got... This thing got about five, six feet from me, and I threw up my threw up my arms and went, "Hey, bear!" And when I had done that, it hits the brakes with all four paws yeah. and looks up at me, and its eyes were absolutely because it was already scared from whatever spooked it down at the barrel site. This thing looked up on me. His eyes were the size of silver dollars, dude. Like, he was spooked. But when he had hit all the brakes, he kicked up like my dad's sitting right. My dad's sitting on the forest floor, leaning up against this tree. This thing hits all four brakes and just kicks up dirt and rocks and all kinds of stuff all over my dad and right up in my dad's face. And my dad's, my dad just has his arms tucked into his side. And, and, uh, so when this thing stops and then it turns about 90 degrees, well, what's what's right there? My dad's right there. So this thing jumps over my dad, and its wow. and its fur brushes up against my dad's arm. That's how close this thing was to my dad. Like, if it would have kept running and tried to split me and my dad, it would have hit my dad's shoulder. And you know, my dad's leaning up against an aspen tree. That's definitely not going to move. It, yeah, it would have absolutely killed my dad. Who, who knows? This thing was flying so fast, it probably could have killed him. You know, like. But this, this, the, yeah, this thing was hauling from zero, zero to 20 yards. It was, it was hauling. Um, but yeah, it stopped, hit the brakes, jumped up over my dad. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm like, holy crap, that just happened, dude. And I look over at my dad and my dad's just staring at the ground. I'm like, dad, dad, dad. And then like the fourth time I yelled, dad. And he looks up at me, and his, his eyes are as big as the bears, too. Like, just silver dollars. He looks at me and goes, that was a big bear. Just completely spooked, man. It was right. so funny, dude. I just started laughing. We just both started laughing. Like, no way did that just happen, dude. We're, we're just, like, cracking up, dude. Well, what had, what had scared that bear initially was a another bear. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't much bigger, probably 150 you know 140 150 not much bigger but by this time my my both of us were just pumped full of adrenaline dude and i saw this thing i was like oh it's bigger it's way bigger so i, I get the rifle i'm shooting a seven millimeter mag get this thing lined up on these on this 
on this bear, boom, shoot him, dropped him right, right where he's standing. But at the same time, like I was paying so much attention to the bear. I didn't realize how close the optic was to my forehead. So I took a mean scope slap straight in between my eyes. It split me right open. I'm dripping blood down my face, off my nose, off my chin. It's in my mouth, dude. But we were so happy and so excited that everything, everything had just gone. This had all gone down within 20 seconds, 25 seconds. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just covered in blood, but we're just like, yeah, we shot a massive bear. We're so stoked. And the, called the outfitter. I was like, yeah, I shot a huge bear, da, 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 this and that. <laughs> and the outfitter comes up and he gets up to the bear. He's like, Oh, okay. Um, it's yeah, big old bear, dude, a freaking juvenile little three-year-old, four-year-old bear, dude. But it was, it was just, everything had happened so quick, man. It was just super fun, super fun story. It was the main, one of the main things I'm bummed about, about that story is when I got out of the car, I had my GoPro on me and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm just going to leave this here. I don't, I don't know why I left the GoPro, man, but if I, oh, I'm, I kick myself to this day. If I would have had that GoPro on me, that would have been such killer footage, dude. <laughs> yeah. That'd be right. that was, fun. was it a sow Great or memory. was it a uh, boar? It was a boar. Yeah, it, it was, a, it was a, it was a, a young male. The meat was absolutely delicious. Don't get me wrong, you know, like, and it was all sweet because they were just munching on those donuts. So yeah, the meat, the meat was super tasty. And I've heard you kind of have to marinate it a little bit, but it was, I liked it. I was all about it. Yeah. Remember to cook it all the way through. Yeah. Trigonosis, man. Yeah. That'll get you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, after hearing the, the horror stories of trigonosis, no, thank you. Yeah, my my uncle actually got some trigonosis from a javelina he shot. It, he ended up in the hospital. Ooh, yeah, and those things stay embedded in your muscles forever. Yeah, yeah, he was he was touching go there for a little bit. He got it really bad. He's an old, older guy, so but he pulled through. It was all good. Well, that's good. Yeah. Now, fun bear story. Right, fun bear story. What's the biggest whitetail you bagged? Ooh. Uh, so every year I go out to Southeast Kansas, um, in a town called blank. Um, it was beautiful, beautiful area. And the, the soil out there is super nutrient rich. So the bucks out there just get massive racks. Uh, right. Me and my dad would go first. We're out there for five days. We got a buddy who's got a farm who, who invites us out every year. And, uh, we go, we were out there and hit the morning hunt, didn't see anything and just come back to the hotel. I'm right when I get back to the hotel, I'm already like, why did we even come here? We should have just sat in the blind all day. You know, we live in the somewhat, it's more like suburbs. We live in like a little beach community. I'm like, man, I'm trying to enjoy my hunt. Let's get back out there and just sit in the blind. If anything, you know, sit out in nature, get out there. Yeah. We get out there 12 o'clock. Um, get into the blind and you know it takes a little bit for me in the wheelchair and my dad to lift the blind up get in the blind and whatnot so we get into the blind and then uh so i'm sitting there and we have a a bait a little corn out there you could bait so we got a little corn feeder out there about 80 yards in front of us 
Um, so we're sitting there and no, no joke. 15 minutes into the, into the getting into the blind, we're still not even prepared and ready and all set up and whatnot. And so this doe comes out straight to our left, comes out of these bushes and, and you know, when I, I start tapping my dad on the leg, that's our sign. You know, there's a, a deer, a deer visible. Cause you don't want to be like, Hey deer, you know, look, um, so yeah, we, I tapped him on the leg and he instantly freezes up. He knows the cue. Um, this doe comes out, it starts feeding out in front of us and something catches me out of the wiggling out of the corner of my left eye. And I look over and right where that doe had come out, this massive buck, or massive buck dude comes out and, uh, biggest, biggest rack I've ever seen, biggest deer I've ever seen. Um, I had told they, they existed and the landowner told me to only shoot any, only to shoot deer, uh, 150 inches or bigger. I'm like, 100, right. 150. I was like, dang, dude, that's already, that's already pushing it. So this thing comes out, but his nose is straight to the ground. He's licking his nose. He's sniffing. So this doe was obviously in heat and this was the first week of December. So this is the second rut, second rut cycle oh, out there in the, out there in Kansas. Yeah. This buck comes sniffing his nose, licking his nose and he gets out to about 40 yards out in front of me. And I, you know, he's still, he's walking, looking for this doe. And I just go, you know, I, I put the rifle up on the windowsill up on the beanbag and I, I get my optic on him. I'm ready, ready to drop this thing and I, to get him to stop you know the, the classic sound i go Meh. and they did that and he stops looks right at me perfect broadside i go and i pull what? the trigger and all i hear is click oh like, no oh no like we had just gotten into the blind to the point where i haven't even wrapped around in my rifle yet oh no i was like oh my gosh this is not happening right now and I, but like, I was like, all right, don't panic, don't panic. So I slowly pulled the bolt back and slowly slid around in there. But, and by this time, the buck, he was so focused on that doe. He looked at me and then looked over to his left and, and actually spotted the doe. He finally got his eyes on her. So he was like, oh, there she is. So he starts trotting off. Well, this, this doe wasn't having any of it. She, she took off run. As soon as she saw that buck, she took off running straight into the trees and um they're they're about at that corn feeder the doe is at the corn feeder eating the corn about 80 yards out this buck this buck seen caesar running and he's running over into the trees but i was like i was right about to stop him before he got into the trees and i had my optic on him and everything i was ready to rock and right when he gets to the trees right before i could stop him he stops on his own and looks back like where where's that other buck i just heard you know like i want to make sure mm -hmm. this, this doe's all mine but when he stopped and looked back he was perfectly broadside and i just said i center punched him with a perfect perfect shot this thing walks it didn't run it didn't, didn't it walked off into the trees about 40 feet and piled up we're going double long Man, dude, I was we we're super excited, but it, it, this had happened to me before where I had shot a deer and we ended up not finding it because with on this property we were at, 
right at the tree line, it goes downhill into a creek. Well, so that creek gets pretty deep and pretty big, and I've, we've lost deer in there before. So I was like, I'm not getting excited until I get my hands on this thing. So yeah. We get out and we start looking for it, find it, find it right away. And I put my, got to put my hand, this thing was, ended up taping out at 164 and seven eighths inches. It's the biggest, nice. the biggest buck I had ever seen. I mean, I obviously people have shot, shoot bigger bucks, but from a boy from, you know, a little surf community in Southern California, man, I was super stoked and landowner, the landowner came up and he was, he was pumped on the opportunity as well. And, uh, it, 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 it all worked out perfectly. So I was, yeah, I'm still pumped. He looks great on my wall too, by the way. <laughs> you ever think about coming to uh, any other state other than Kansas? So I've I've whitetailed hunt in Indiana before, but um, the the place that I hunted, uh, they didn't have they had a lot of people coming through their operation, dude, to the point where they didn't have very many deer. So I didn't get didn't get anything in go? Indiana, but that was about it. What's up? Where did you go? Oh, shoot. Um, Triple H Outfitters, I think it's called. What county was that in? I'm man. I'm I'm not I'm not quite sure. This was three probably three years ago. Yeah. But uh. Well. Yeah, I'm always down to try to hunt other states, but as of right now, that's just where everything's lined up so far. Right. Well, it sounds like it was a fun time. Yeah, it's I know. Cool. I, yeah, I was like at the, that expo I was talking about. I was uh, down there and I visited uh, with uh, Dustin Huff. I actually got to meet him. There you the go. Uh, world record, not the world record. I keep. I, I'm biased on that way, but the United States number one. And Indiana, number one white tail, typical. Jeez, I can only imagine how. What is it? Two yeah. hundred easily. Two eleven and a half, or something like that. When he he was telling the guy, asked him what he find, what was his final measurements, and he said two eleven and a half. So about two twelve, and it's like, yeah, I can see that. That's about. That's just bigger than my father in law's. So. Yeah, that's a massive buck. Yeah, gigantic, man. That's no joke. Yeah. So. Good genetics. Definitely. <laughs> that's one of those outlier deer that you see once in a lifetime. Yeah, those deer, if you don't come on them random, they're usually born and bred to be that big, you know? People watch, yeah. over, watch over their deer. Yeah, no, this was a wild deer, and it was awesome. And this is why I agree with several other people when they say Indiana is the sleeper state. Yeah, and I know I'm I know I'm biased about that because it's my state, but dang, I mean, you don't get those deer. Most people are saying Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, Illinois, and then just like, why aren't we listed on there? There, I think they were showcasing a list. It was looking on Instagram, but we're showcasing the top 10 states and all the states around uh, Indiana, but Michigan were on that list. Indiana and Michigan were not on the list, but every other state was. 
Yeah, I've heard, I've seen some absolute giants taken out of Indiana. Yeah. Um, the biggest, I was actually looking at one of those lists as well. And surprisingly, the biggest state for whitetails is Wisconsin. Yeah. But they're battling some serious EHD. Uh, D. Yeah. It's a, it's a crappy disease, man. It's just, it's sad to see the CWD. deer go out with the. Yeah. Turn, CWD. Yeah. It turns them into straight zombies. Yeah. And they just go and it's like, you gotta just let winter do its job for them and they can't even control it really yeah it's sad how is it spread but, is it spread by bugs or, in, or is it in the food or how does it spread bugs bugs freaking mites bugs. get on them similar to the way ehd goes i believe i could be wrong but yeah. So if you, if anybody on listening knows how it goes, just email me at uh, adaptiveoutdoorsman at gmail dot com. Give me, give me a correction. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Hopefully, hopefully I get out to Indiana and possibly, you know, venture. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hunt every state possible. Uh, yeah. There's just, there's just so much beauty in this country and animals you know i'm trying to you know just check off animals every, right. every single one of them you know that that's every hunter's dream so i'm just chipping chipping away pull, you know peeling the onion now you know, have you ever tried doing a diy hunt over the counter um no well public land no that not nothing public oh i have actually i pulled a uh um, a mule deer tag in Arizona on public land, but yeah. no, nothing. Yeah, I've, basically everything I've done so far just been out outfitted on either private land or a lake. Yeah, I know Indiana's got a lot of reservoirs and state lands. So if you try and come back, you could probably try that. I know a couple of reservoirs. I have two in my county. Well, looks like we're going to have to set something up here. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> well, deer season's next year, right? Yeah. But no, I was saying, I mean, Indi Huntington's got, uh, county's got two reservoirs. I know there's at least three in the surrounding counties nearby. Uh, the southern part of the state has just massive amounts of woodland area. And that's where they get more deer at. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I would have to do a lot of research and have to have. See, with me being in the wheelchair, it's a little a little tougher to you know obviously get places. I got my I got an off road wheelchair, but I still need still need help to a degree. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting getting over logs and stuff like that. Even those track chairs, you know logs big rocks and it's tough. yeah you'd have to be set up on a similar style of a little trail or just off to the side and, and have be prepped and ready to go a couple of days in advance yeah and that's that's not even dealing with the, you know other people in the orange army and all that stuff yeah that's usually why i go I get the bundle pack from my state, so I get archery or crossbow. Since they run the same season length, I get the muzzle 
muzzleloader and firearms too. So there you go. I can bypass the orange army a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's why I um, been focusing more on archery now because out here in the West, our seasons are a lot longer with archery. Yeah. So what is the next bucket list item that you're going to be going after this year? So this year I'm looking at getting out into North Carolina out uh, trying to go for black bear out there because they got absolute tanks of black bears out there pushing five, six, seven hundred because they a lot of them out there, you know, they're just munching corn. Yeah, these corn-fed bears. Um, I'm gonna try to get. I'm trying to get on that. Hopefully, I pull my moose tag. Fingers crossed. That white tail in Kansas is a, a yearly thing for me, my dad, and my uncle. So definitely gonna head back out there. Um, yeah, I, I've been I've I've been hunting all year this year. Actually, I just got back from Utah two weeks ago from a cow elk hunt. I was able to harvest my first cow elk so nice yeah that's that's beautiful i still even haven't even picked that meat up yet so well things are things are lined up here in the future i'm excited right have you ever done anything with non-for-profits or is everything self-funded everything's been self-funded so far i uh I do woodworking in my photography helps uh, save up money that way and uh yeah, and just self self fund it that way. I try to talk to family members and whatnot, people to help get me on them, and just looking for the the best deals I possibly can. Everything I've, you know, I'm on the computer hours on end looking for the perfect outfit or the perfect price, all that stuff. Just you know, I'm not yeah balling out of control, so I'm just trying my best to bang for my buck. Yeah, that's understandable. That's why I know they recommend do sometimes recommend just going for states that have over the over the counter ones where you don't have to go through the point system. You don't have to go through all the guide service and all that fun stuff. But I know that they also have uh, wheelchair, not wheelchair accessible, but in the state of Indiana, and I'm using my state as a reference for this one. When you provide a handicap notice of handicap, they allow you to certain access certain areas with like a van or something and be able to shoot from a motorized vehicle, you know, off obviously, but that way you can get back there and get to certain areas that other people would not be able to and be able to access the animals there. Yeah, I've, uh, we got that out west too, the, 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 the shooting permit to shoot from a car. So I got a bunch of permits from out of state. I mean, yeah, out of state to shoot from a car was just, uh, I just lined up a couple more States, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho. So yeah, that's, um, definitely going to try to go the, the DIY route here. I just, just got myself a new truck. So I'm excited for what the future has in store. A mobile, and I'm just going to go with the truck, and I'm excited for your future on that one too as well, but a mobile elevated blind. (laughs) They got some crazy stuff out there, man. 
Oh, I was just jumping off the truck. I mean, you got the, uh, Oh, oh yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's a mobile elevated blind. Cause you have to stay in it. Yeah. And I got a, up. the truck I got is green too. So I don't know if it helps at all, but Hey, well, let's see. I believe the white tail deer or yellow. They're either yellow, blue or red, blue. I think it's red, blue. And I know blue, yeah, they can see blue and yellow, I believe, is what the color scheme is. Cool. They can't see anything on the red hue, which is why orange and red and pink and, oddly enough, hot pink, they can't see. But anything yellowish, they can, I believe. It's interesting. Yeah, right? It's like, I'm, I have to paint my car hot pink? No. Not going to happen. No, no. No matter how much they think it's a good idea, but. How dedicated are you, buddy? <laughs> not that dedicated. And I think I thought it was. Yeah, antelope don't have that good eyesight. So they can see white and they mistake it for another what another antelope. So that's why they go after them. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because my. My sister's husband does construction out by the Denver airport in Colorado. He was sitting out there digging digging a trench, and he had a white helmet, and he's just sitting there working, and he feels something butt up against his head, and he looks up, and there's an antelope buck like 10, <laughs> in, like 10 inches from his head, and they both lock eyes, and the buck takes off running. Hmm. He was like, what the heck? Yeah, he saw, saw that white helmet from who knows how far away and decided to come and check it out. It's funny. Yeah. Well, at least you get he got some excitement out of that deal. Freaking a. <laughs> well, do you want to uh, tell people how to reach you? Yeah, you guys can reach out. I'm T eight underscore outdoorsman. Uh, there's on Instagram. There's a T eight outdoorsman, and that was my old account. I said some things that Instagram didn't like, and they kicked me out of that account. So it's T8 underscore outdoorsman on Instagram. You guys check it out. Um, shoot me any messages. If you guys want to talk about hunts, I'd be super stoked. Or if you just want to talk about getting into the outdoors and what are the logistics to doing that, I'm more than willing and more than stoked to uh, give you guys any information and knowledge I've acquired over the years. And uh, yeah, I hope I could help somebody out there. I'd be stoked. Well, thank you for coming on, man. It's been a fun pleasure. It's been great talking about hunting stories from last year and the years before. And hope to talk to you in the future. So uh, thank you for listening. And remember, stay adaptive. Stay adaptive.